So I have to admit, <clears throat> coming up here today, this morning, a uh, little intimidated preaching after last couple weeks. Are you kidding me, Pastor Callie? <laughs> Whew, man, she's on vacation this week. Uh, if you're watching right now, um, you did not make this easy. So, um, in fact, I've already been asked this week, how in the world are you going to preach after that? And uh, she did an incredible job. Pastor Jake did an incredible job a couple weeks ago as well. And so we were very blessed to, to have very talented preachers here at PFN. Uh, Cheryl has spent the last month over at Summit while Pastor Greta was on sabbatical. And I'm, I'm assuming she did a good job. I'm not real sure. <laughs> In fact, I was told she did an incredible job over there as well. So... So how do you follow such a sermon that Pastor Callie gave us last week? Well, is you, you just don't. You just preach what the Holy Spirit has told you to preach. That's it, right? I remember a lady once in one of my uh, churches where I pastored, not the one you're thinking of, the other one. And uh, she came up to me after the sermon and she literally got in my face and she had her finger right uh, by my nose and she said, you better stop preaching about me. And so apparently, something that I preached about that day hit home, um, and what I preached about was exactly what she was going through that morning. I didn't know it, I didn't plan it, but the Holy Spirit knew that she needed to hear it. And so I had to explain to her that my sermon schedule has been completed a long time in advance, and so this week was already scheduled before Pastor Callie got up here and destroyed it all for me. But uh, so I just get to uh, preach what the Holy Spirit has already given me to preach. And uh, I, I hope that you can see the connection here um, of Callie has already laid down this tremendous foundation of discipleship for us over the past two weeks. And it was amazing to hear her passion and to hear the Holy Spirit speaking through her. But I do want to let you know that um, we're not going to get, a whole, get ahead of the Holy Spirit in the discipleship process here. Um, sometimes when you bring somebody into that new position, you expect her then to come and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. I've started and now here we go. And that's what we don't want Pastor Callie to be forced to do. We want Pastor Callie to be able to spend time praying. We want her to be able to spend time uh, with the Holy Spirit and execute out the right plan for us at the right time for us. Amen. So Pastor Callie requires that time to formulate her plan and develop a system of discipleship that we need here at PFN. And, and I think it was best said by somebody after Callie's uh, first week that she preached and they came up to Pastor Callie and they said, I can't wait to see where our church is a year from now. We know that when we connect with the Holy Spirit, we connect with what God wants us to do, that he is going to bless that. And I cannot wait for that either. It's going to be great. But we can't just fast forward to a year from now. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to work with us in the journey. Um, we have steps to take. We have things that we need to learn. The Holy Spirit wants to partner with, with us on our journey. And so we're going to give her time to discern and to learn and to pray and to listen. But so what do we do in the meantime? 
What is it that you and I need to do? It just so happens that the Holy Spirit already has something in mind for us. And it's not just a, a new revelation. It's not just something that I've come up with. This is something has been his plan forever. But before we learn how to disciple others, it's time that you and I learn ourselves how to be discipled by the greatest teacher who has ever lived, and that's Jesus himself. So when Carol and I were, <coughs> were dating, we attended Peoria First Nazarene. Carol grew up there. She had a lot of history there. And so when uh, we knew things were, were getting serious between Carol and I, and we thought that perhaps maybe, maybe we just need a fresh start. Maybe we just need to start attending somewhere else. Maybe we just need to go to a new church. And so we went to Northwoods in Peoria, and we were there one week before we came back to Peoria first. Harold, if you were the worship director then at that time, I'm sure it had nothing to do with you whatsoever. So um, anyway, um, I've heard people uh, say in their Christianese uh, what Carol and I were saying as we left Peoria first to try to go somewhere else. And one of the reasons why is we just didn't feel like we were being fed there. Oof. I've heard those words as a senior pastor more than I'd ever want to hear them. Uh, people that have moved on from uh, a church that I've pastored or people that have moved to a church that I pastored. And, and so many times the initial conversation was something like this where I would say, hey, I'm Pastor Brian. Uh, who are you? And they'd say, oh, well, I'm first name. Well, nice to meet you, first name. It's good to see you this morning. And then they would say, well, we've been looking for a new church. Uh, we came from the greater Rockford Fire Baptized Holiness Church of God, whatever it might be, right? Um, and we just weren't being fed there. And so we came here hoping for some real preaching, right? Now... I hope I was always polite. I always thank them for coming and some of them stuck around, some of them didn't stick around. But what I wanted to say, what I wanted to say to them is, you weren't being fed at your church. What happened to us being self-feeders? What happened to listening to the Holy Spirit during the week and not just a preacher standing on a stage on a Sunday morning? Now, I'm not trying to discount the importance of, uh, of a Sunday morning sermon or biblical instruction, but I want you to think about it this way. Imagine Carol came home uh, someday and she saw me super skinny and emaciated. It can happen. All right, so she comes home and we're not just talking skinny, we're talking gaunt. Uh, we're talking withered. Eyes have sunken into my sockets. My body has become frail. My bones are showing. Your abdomen gets extended from starvation and you're asking yourself, holy cow, how long was Carol gone for? But really, <laughs> she comes home and she finds me almost starved to death. 
And obviously I've not been eating. And she cries, what in the world is happening to you? And in my weak and my frail voice, I would say, I'm just not being fed around here. There's no one here to feed me. What do you think Carol's going to say? <laughs> feed yourself, right? And now, you know, I had wished that I had said all of those things to the people in church that told me that they weren't being fed in my church or had told me that they weren't being fed in another church and came to visit mine. And I wish I would have said, you know, I'm so sorry that you weren't being fed uh, there, but tell me, what did the Lord tell you this morning in your devotions? Tell me, what did he have to say to you when you prayed through this situation? And I almost guarantee you in every single situation, what they would have said back to me is nothing. They would have met that question with, or I would have met that question with a blank stare. And, and honestly, I, I got to be truthful. There's been times in my life when, when I've gone through that period of spiritual dryness and I've tried to blame somebody else for it. Oh, they weren't teaching the way that I understand. They weren't teaching the way that I like to be taught or they were talking over my head or they were too simplistic or I just can't relate to. And the entire time the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I'm over here. What about me? Can we just spend some time together? Can't I teach you? Can't I meet you where you're at? Can I teach you how to feed yourself? So listen, every time that I've gone through that period where I have felt separated from God, where the times that I walked away from his presence, he's never walked away from me. Not once. And every time that I've ended up becoming spiritually malnourished, I realized I was the one who quit eating. My devotion stopped. My daily time with the Lord went away. I quit meeting with my small group or a mentor to discuss scripture. It was always me. It was never him. And, and it may seem kind of weird for me to be talking about self-feeding when we just heard some of the, the two best sermons I've ever heard on discipleship um, and how we're supposed to be walking this journey with one another and to help one another. And I, I totally believe that. But there's also a lesson that I learned a long time ago when I, I was learning how to be an EMT. And I was taught in my EMT classes that you have to protect yourself too. To stay safe, to be smart when you're lifting things or when you're driving or when you're carrying the equipment. Why? Because I'm no good to anybody else if I was injured, right? If I'm not taking care of myself or if I come become incapacitated, then I can't help anyone else. And so if I allow myself to become spiritually hungry or, or emaciated, if I allow myself to become spiritually dead, then how in the world am I ever going to help somebody else in their journey with Christ? I can't. It's impossible for, for us to do that. So if I am spiritually dead, it's not because there's a lack of food that's available. It's not because there's a lack of resources 
See, my problem always seemed to be because I was expecting somebody else to spoon feed me. I was expecting the church to provide me with the best teachers so that I could just learn. And then I forgot that the best teacher in the entire universe walks with me every single day. And he's the Holy Spirit. I had to accept his invitation, though, to be his student, which means I had to take responsibility for my own spiritual health. And if I were to do that, then I can help others. Now I know I need help. I can't do it alone. That's where discipleship does come in. We need coaches. We need mentors. We need teachers and preachers. I need a coach. I need the mentor. I need someone to preach to me as well. But I also know that my coach, my mentor, my pastor better be led by Jesus or else they're false teachers or else they're going to lead me in the wrong direction. (coughs) And there will come a time when you are called There will come a time when you are expected to lead someone else spiritually, when you are supposed to be that discipler. And guess what? As Pastor Callie clearly articulated to us all, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've already been called. You're already there. Parents, grandparents, people who have friends, people here who have coworkers, you have already received your call to disciple. You have someone you're probably discipling whether you know it or not. So if we're going to guide someone, we have better be personally discipled by Jesus first, right? You see, when I became a a Christian, I, I approached Christianity the same way that I approached college. I expected someone else to study really hard and prepare really well so they could just dump all of their knowledge in my brain. But what I was doing was taking the Holy Spirit out of all of that. I was expecting others just to tell me what I'm supposed to believe. Just tell me what I'm supposed to study, what I'm supposed to know. And so why in the world would I ever have needed the Holy Spirit I just needed somebody that was smarter than me to do the work for me, right? Which wasn't hard to find. I did learn pretty quickly that there is a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo preaching and teaching out there, right? There's a whole lot of spiritual nonsense being taught out there. And if you would just take a millisecond and Google a question on uh, a religious question, a Christianity question on on Google, my goodness, you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff. And some of that may just be things that your itching ears want to hear, but it may not be the truth. The apostle Paul warned us that in these days, the world is going to be filled with people that are, that are always learning, but yet never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, it's not enough for for me to, to know about God. 
I have to allow God to convert my knowledge that even the things that somebody has downloaded into me into wisdom. I need to know what to do with that knowledge because knowledge without knowing what to do with it is just frankly dangerous. I know a lot of people, you probably do too, that are super smart in book knowledge, but they, they lack the, the skills to apply that knowledge and wisdom. Don't elbow the person next to you. Don't point to anybody this morning. I know a lot of people that know a ton about God and the Bible, yet are clueless in the ways of Jesus. And so God sent us the Holy Spirit to guide us in the truth. And without the Holy Spirit as our guide in scripture, you and I can learn facts about God all day long, but never move one inch closer to a truth that makes a difference in our life. But when we allow the Holy Spirit, not just to download information into our minds, but to transform our life, that's when things start to change. So when the Holy, when the Spirit uses the word of God to transfer the wisdom of God to his creation, that's when everything changes. I not only understand life better, but I can relate to his creation as well. And that's why I love the word so much. That's why I love the Bible so much. Not only do I have the Holy Spirit telling me what to do with the information that I read, but since all scripture is God breathed, since all scripture is inspired by him, I know that through this book, God is talking directly to Brian. And through this book, he is talking directly to you. Think about that. Our one scripture today is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Maybe it's familiar to you. Maybe you've heard this before. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the creator of, of the world has given you a direct line of communication with him so that through his Holy Spirit, he can teach us. And through his Holy Spirit, he can rebuke us and correct us and to train us and so I know that God uses his word to speak directly to me, but did you also know he did it through 40 different authors that tell the story of more people that are inside this book? You see, this morning, my job isn't to guilt you into reading your Bible, although it may seem like I'm doing that at times. My job this morning is to get you to want to spend time with God. I want you to spend time with that God-breathed, useful teaching contained in the word of God. I want you to self-feed. I want you to take responsibility for your own spiritual transformation because not only do you need it, eventually someone else needs it from you. So here's how I look at the Bible. 
I know that it wasn't written just for me, although it, it could have been. I think, I think God sees all of us as individuals as important enough that if we were the only one left here today, that he still would have had the Bible written for us. But I see how God has literally, through his word, given me hundreds of coaches to teach me and to, to train me. It's almost like I have this big, long line of personal trainers that are here that are they're just ready to jump into action whenever I need them to teach me, to rebuke me, to disciple me, whenever I need that trainer. How many of you know who Tim Grover is? Anybody know that name? A couple sports people know that name. Maybe you know these names. Charles Barkley, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, and Michael Jordan. Some of the greatest basketball players that have ever played the game. And before we get into the argument about LeBron James, just let me say this. All four of those guys know more about basketball and made a whole lot more money in it playing it than you did. So we could just say they're experts in basketball, right? <coughs> so they're worthy to teach us a thing or two about basketball, wouldn't you say? Those four? All four of those guys are super talented. Absolutely. None of us could, could argue that. But all of them needed someone to walk alongside of them to help them stay at their level, at the top of their game. All of those four needed a personal trainer. All four of them had the same trainer. They had the same life coach named Tim Grover. Why in the world would some of the best athletes in the world need a coach? Because even the elite athlete needs someone to inspire them. Even the best of the best needs someone to speak truth into their life, to bring the best out of them. And for those guys, it was Tim Grover. He was their personal coach. For you and me, God has given us 40 different authors. But they tell the story of over 3,000 different individuals. And all of those men and those women are here to mentor us and to coach us and to inspire us and to get the best out of us on a daily basis. You know what? I know that God is speaking to me today through his word. I know that he speaks, but I want you to listen to this verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse four. It says, by faith, Abel, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So in case you need a refresher here, Abel was, I'm pretty sure, human number four, right? So Adam and Eve were his parents. Uh, Abel and his brother Cain called Adam and Eve mom and dad. That's how far back we're going, right? And yet God still uses him to speak to me today. Abel has taken up his place as one of my assigned mentors. And he stands in this great cloud of witnesses besides Noah 
and Abraham and Jacob and Joseph and Elijah and John and Peter. But there's a whole bunch of others that teach me. Their names are Sarah and Deborah and Ruth, Naomi and Mary and Martha and scores more. Men and women. And even though none of these people breathe earthly air anymore, all of them are waiting to speak to me through the living word of God. I want you to think about how these people could be our team of coaches. That they are going to instruct us. And, and sometimes they're going to need to raise their voice because we're really not that great of listeners. And other times we're going to need them to stand in our path and, and get in our way so that we can make a better decision. There's going to be times in our life where we want to go a wrong direction or blindly just go off into some unknown situation. Wouldn't it be great if we had men and women like Matthew or David or Jeremiah say, no, 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 I've been there. I've done that. Not the wisest move, man. I can't think of a better mentor for a businessman or woman than Solomon. Uh, for somebody in the professional world, who could you look uh, as a, someone to talk to better than Luke, a physician? For those that teach, you have an instructor named Paul. He's here and he's waiting. For our moms or grandmothers, Mary has words of guidance for you. And here's part of my story. When I first heard the, the calling of God, when I first had that nudge that God was calling me into ministry, I argued with him. I put up a pretty good fight too. I said, oh God, you've, you've called the wrong guy. You've made a mistake here. I'm not qualified to be a pastor. I, I don't know enough to minister to people. I don't know how to lead people. And God said, oh, I've got a guy for you to meet. He's going to instruct you. And he'll meet you right where you are. And you're going to identify with him just some of the exact same excuses that you keep telling me. And he too questioned whether he was qualified or not. I want you to meet Moses. So Moses heard directly from God. And he came back as well with this whole laundry list of excuses of why he couldn't lead the people out of Egypt, why he couldn't do what God was asking him to do. And so when I was wrestling with God about this calling, God had me open up his word to Exodus chapter three. And the words that God gave Moses were the exact same words that I needed to hear. And I heard my brother Moses speaking the exact same words the exact same words that I had spoken to God just moments before. And I heard God loud and clear. I knew what I was supposed to do, but I still was dragging my feet and I was kicking pretty hard too. But when God used Moses to show me that someone else had already walked in my shoes, I could relate I could understand it. The calling and the instruction that I was hearing from the Holy Spirit now made sense to me. It wasn't as scary anymore. And it felt real because God had chose to put his words through a human form. In human terms. And why wouldn't God do that? God has done that 
from the beginning of time. He's used us, he's used humans, he's used his, his crowning creation. All of these 3,000 plus people have gone before us. And I kind of see them now in heaven, in the grandstands of heaven, and they're cheering us on. Isaiah and Sarah and Jude, Stephen, Jonathan, Daniel, Priscilla, Mark, even people with really weird names like Benaiah or Nehemiah, Balthazar, Gideon, Zephora, Mordecai, Mephibosheth. <laughs> they're all here. They're all here and they all are going to be used by God to mentor you in your walk with him. Some of them will mentor you through their good example. Some of them have nothing left to teach you but through their mistakes and their sinful example. But that's what makes this book so exciting. Not only do I get to hear from a guy that was struggling with the same thing that I was going through, but I get to learn from people that have messed up I get to learn from people that have screwed up their life and failed. Some people in here had did some really boneheaded things. I can relate to a lot of them. You see, I believe that there's no one that we can't learn from, right? But not all the examples contained in God's word are good examples. Some of those 3,000 people contained in the pages of this book, they're not in heaven right now. They're not enjoying time with God. See, when I get to heaven, uh, I think there's going to be time. I hope that there's going to be time that I get to sit down and have a face-to-face -face with Moses. And I get to say, thank you for questioning God. I, I did too. I hope there's time that I get to sit down with David and John. There's a whole lot of questions I have for Jacob and Jonah, for Noah or Naaman but there's some that I won't see. Cain, maybe Esau, Ahab, Jezebel, Herod, Judas. They're not there. But they are still teaching me today. See, God has allowed their voice to live on so that I don't make the same mistakes that they did, so that you don't make the same destructive choice that they did. So here's how I, I look at it. I like to golf. I, I'm really bad at it. I mean, really bad at it. But at least it's a fun time. I don't do it much, if ever, any longer. But um, when I did golf, I would purposely pick out somebody that was better than me to go golfing with. Why? Because if I golfed with somebody better than me, then my game was elevated just a little bit more. Right? Right? So when I golfed with people that were better examples of a good golfer, I played better. Their skill rubbed off on me. My game improved. And I think the same thing holds true in life. You want to be wise? Hang out with some wise people. You want to be kind? Hang out with some kind people. You want to learn compassion? Well, then hang out with those that practice a life of compassion. And you may say, but pastor, I don't have those people around me. I don't know some of those people. I mean, have you met my family? That's not who you're talking about. Pastor, I, 
the people that I have in my life or the people I have in my family or the people I work with, they're not the examples that I want to be. So where do I find these men and these women? Right here. They're right here. Some of us need to dust off his word. Open it up. You know what? I don't care if you look on your cell phone and use the Bible app. Because right now, these words are really tiny. (laughs) And on my phone, I can make them as big as I want them to be. So I get asked that all the time. Pastor, what Bible should I read? And my answer is, what Bible will you read? That's the one you should read. So pick up that Bible. Open up the app. Spend some time with the wisest people that have ever walked this earth. Joseph, Daniel, Abigail, Isaac, Esther, Josiah. They're all waiting for you. And when you start to hang out with these people on a regular basis, God will use them. Their stories will give you insight. Their perspective will start to rub off on you. Their voices still echo in our soul. And after thousands of years, not one single decibel has been lost in time. Not one And their words are just as powerful. Their words are just as alive today as they were when they first uttered them. See, these coaches that God uses still live. These prophets still speak. These guides still desire to visit with you. Physical death did not terminate their lives or their voice. God has given them an eternal assignment to tutor every generation. So we live in a, in a world that needs heroes, and I'm not talking about Iron Man or Black Panther or Batman. I'm talking about real life heroes that still seek me out to disciple me, to spend time with me. And through the inspiration of God, he will use their unedited, rough, scar-filled life and their experiences so that I can live. These men and women in God's word still beckon us into their presence. They're still our mentors. Some of these guys sat at a table with Jesus one night. It was the Thursday before he would be crucified. And they sat at that table and they experienced our common heritage of a Passover meal. We get to experience that with them on Monday, Thursday. I don't know if you knew it, but those guys are going to be there. Not in person, but they're going to be teaching us that night. Some of these men and these women looked up at a cross and they witnessed the exact moment of salvation for the entire world. Some of these men and women felt the earthquake on that Friday. Or they heard about the veil being ripped in two in the temple. And even though we're not gonna be able to recreate 
the Jesus crucifixion on Good Friday, I promise you these men and women will show up and they're going to be here to help us and to help us experience what Jesus went through that night. A couple of these 3,000 were the two ladies that first witnessed an empty tomb. And they ran to go and tell others. And they were the first ones to ever speak about a resurrected Messiah that we get to celebrate on Easter morning. And they long to tell the story. And they want you to tell their story. They want others to experience it just like they did. So the question is, what about you? Are you willing to listen? You have an entire cloud of witnesses that wants nothing more than to personally disciple you with Jesus. Let's go to prayer this morning as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the example of all of these men and women who have gone before us, some good examples, some bad. Lord, we thank you that you still speak through them today. We acknowledge, Lord, that all of your word is inspired by you. All of it has been breathed by you. But Lord, you chose 40 different authors, 3,000 different characters who get to disciple us today. The only question is, Lord, are we willing to listen? Are we willing to feed ourselves? Because we know someday there will be someone that needs us to be spiritually nourished. Lord, thank you again for your word. We thank you, love, that you saw fit to give us these 3,000 plus mentors, coaches. And thank you for your Holy Spirit who is our guide. We love you, Jesus. We look forward to celebrating your holy week in a couple weeks. We look forward to the experiences that we have looking at our heritage, that we will have staring at your cross and the celebration that we have in worshiping the only resurrected Savior that lives today. Lord, challenge us, inspire us. And Lord, if one of us would come up to another one and ask, what did Jesus talk to you about this morning? I hope that we always have an answer to give them. Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you for your time today. And I thank you for this incredible and wonderful church. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of us said together, amen. Thank you. Glad to see you this morning. You are dismissed.